Anyway, we have been going through a series here on Galatians, and maybe you're sick of it, maybe you're not, but today is the last day of Galatians, and we'll move on into, actually, I guess it, Tim's going to capstone it next week. He's going to talk about the gospel, so that should be fun. Um, So I guess this is really the last one as we're going through a a particular passage here, and then Tim is going to hit it next week, so that'll be exciting. I always love hearing Tim him to each as well. So um, I'll pray and we'll go ahead and, and dive into what God might have for us this morning. So yeah, thank you, Heavenly Father. Um, you are good and we love you. We thank you for the good news. God, we thank you for giving us uh, the Bible and uh, so many great, great principles, things to apply in our life. God, we really thank you for the gospel, which is really at the essence of that, the good news that uh, gives us freedom, gives us the ability to live and to love and to have a right relationship with you in the right way that's not selfish and not guilty. God, it's just, it's amazing. As the more as I have gone through studying and, and preparing for this, the more I'm just, I'm just taken by just how amazing this is. God, I, I don't think any, any one of us, any man could have come up with this. It's so obvious it's, it's inspired and created by you. It's genius. God, thank you for that. God, as we approach it this morning, help us, each, each one of us, starting with me, God, help us to hear what you would have to share into our lives this morning. God, if there's things that we need to do differently out of freedom, Things we need to stop doing out of guilt or stop doing out of selfishness or, or start doing out of freedom. Lord, help us and guide us in that. I pray you'd be meeting with us here this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so we'll go ahead and start here with uh, Galatians chapter 6. There we go. Galatians 6, verses 1 to 18. We'll start here with the first six verses. The Apostle Paul speaking and he says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into that same, into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now I said we are closing out the passage here, the the book here, the series, and we are, and I'm just not even going to bother going into the next 12 verses, um, because there's so much right here that I think is so important, and I think in some ways puts a capstone on all that we've been learning about in the book of Galatians. Um, So we're just going to leave it right here and move on. So to put this in context, I thought maybe let's do a little bit of review. 
a little bit of refresher. Maybe for those of you who haven't been here a few times, you can kind of catch on to what we're talking about here. Um, here's something we talked about a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. We realize what Paul is saying in Galatians is that neither doing the right thing nor doing the wrong thing is going to get us to heaven or keep us from heaven or let us have a right standing with God or not have a right standing with God. And so if that's really true, if doing right or doing wrong, as it says here on the screen, if doing right or wrong neither gets us into heaven nor gets us right with God, then why do we obey him? Why do we obey? Why do we do the right things? Why would we do them? And so we said this, this thought has stuck out to me, is that freedom is not doing what I want to do. It's doing what I most want to do. You see how there's a distinction in that? Freedom is doing what I most want to do. We talked about how God has set out in front of us. He said, here's what's best. And if we're free, we really want to go after what's best and not try to to fill in the gaps with other stuff that's not the best. And so we obey and we do the right things and we go after what God says out of freedom because that's what we most want to do. Another reason we do the right thing is because unconditional love, which is what was expressed to us by Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins, unconditional love deserves an unconditional response. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Now see, unconditional love is not motivated by selfishness. And so our unconditional response should also not be motivated by selfishness. So if I, if I love my wife and my kids, and I do that because I'm going to get something, oh, they're going to give me nice back rubs at the dinner table, which they do. My kids do. It's great. I love it. The little guys get up and these little tiny fingers on my back. It's like, it's great. It's a highlight of a day, right? If I love them so that I could get that from them, would I be loving them unconditionally? No. I would be loving them selfishly. And so I really wouldn't be loving them, I would really be loving myself, right? And so that's the deal, it's not unconditional. So if my love for Christ is motivated by what he can do for me, then I'm loving Christ selfishly, right? That's my motivation. Now there's another motivation here, which is guilt, right? How many of you have ever received a Christmas present from somebody that you gave a Christmas present to and you kind of get the sense that they gave you that present because they feel guilty that you gave them a present. Is that, is that anyone happened? I think it's kind of funny when that happens. You're like, no, I'm, you should be like, no, I'm good, right? Like you don't have to give it to me. You almost feel bad, right? You feel bad that somebody feels guilty enough when you're like, no, I just wanted to express my love to you, right? Well, if we can approach Christ the same way, we can love Christ out of guilt. Oh, look what he did for me. We feel guilty. We feel like, oh, I did all these bad things, and so now I kind of need to do some good things to kind of make up for that. Right? That's not an unconditional response to unconditional love. So what does it look like? What does it look like to obey in freedom? Right? If we're not going to be motivated out of selfishness and we're not going to be motivated out of guilt, what does it look like? What does it look like to obey in freedom? Well, I kind of broke it down in three ways. First one is, generally speaking, 
It's the fruits of the Spirit. And Brad talked on that a couple weeks ago. Everybody remember the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Generally speaking, those are the fruits of the Spirit. But think about those all through the lens of guilt and selfishness. You could do all of those things. You could, you could exhibit those things out of guilt. And you could exhibit those things out of selfishness, couldn't you? And so the true fruits of the Spirit are when these things come out and they're not selfish and they're not guilty, right? So generally speaking, that's how we would obey in freedom. Now, personally, we have a gospel ministry. We talked about this several weeks ago in chapter 4, verse 12. Apostle Paul says, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. And it's that idea of each one of us has a gospel ministry, Each one of us has the opportunity in this freedom to obey, to have a ministry of sharing the good news and our lives and ministering to other people. And we do that by becoming like others. Not in a sinful way, not in adopting the sinful patterns of people in the world, but in coming alongside them. And we're going to talk about that more here in a few minutes. The third way that we can obey in freedom is corporately. Serve one another in love. It says right there in verse 513, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And so we do that corporately as a group together. Why is it together? Because it says one another. So how does this one another, how does this best get expressed? How does it best get expressed? Where's the best place? What was the intention of Jesus and Paul and the apostles? It's part of the church. That's where it happens. That was the intention, right? This is one of those verses in the New Testament It talks about one another. We talk about the one another's. And you'll see those throughout the New Testament. Love one another. Serve one another, it says here. Pray for one another. So on and so forth. If you're not with another, how can you do that? Right? I think you've probably heard me say that before. Another thing you've heard me talk about, and sometimes I feel like a broken record, but I think we have to keep talking about it, is that Jesus Christ came to earth... And he walked through his ministry, and then he was done. And he was going to go back into heaven. And he could have, he was God, right? So, I'm pretty sure God is all-powerful, all-knowing, knows what the best thing is. He could have set up any organizational structure possible, right? He could have said, I want you to be a pyramid structure, (laughs) right? Or I want you to be a corporation. Or I want every single one of you to just go out and be individuals alone, on your own, out there. But he didn't do that. But he said to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And so Jesus really intended that the best expression of one another's is in the local church. And Paul reaffirms that right here. See, it's not good deeds. The best expression of loving one another is not good deeds. It's not social justice. It's not feeding the poor. See, Paul could have directed us to these right here in this passage. He could have said, go feed the poor. 
That would have been a good thing, right? And these are all good things. Good deeds and social justice and feeding the poor. It's all good. But that's not the chosen expression of serve one another, love one another, care for one another. That's not the chosen expression. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, doing these things is good, right? We have alternatives here with the table set up. And man, I encourage every single one of us to take home a little baby bottle and fill it up with change or put some Benjamins in it or whatever. If it's all pennies or all hundreds, they'll love it. And it's great. But what I think is really neat to me as I think about alternatives is alternatives comes to us and says, hey, we see ourselves in this as an extension of your church and other churches. We want to be an arm of what you're doing we see this as a way for churches to express love one another. And I think that's really cool. And so all of these things, good deeds and social justice and all this stuff should be an outflow from the church. I think sometimes we can mistake that and think those are the things I need to go after and we kind of forget about the fact that Jesus said no. In this context of the church is where you need to serve and love and care for one another, right? So instead of that, we need to share each other's burdens. Paul says it right there in the verse. This means that we get to obey the law of Christ. Sharing one another's burdens is a personal investment. Even though it's a corporate expression, it's a personal investment. Each one of us, it's a choice every single one of us have to make that I'm going to do this personally. Have to do it personally. So what does it look like? What does it look like to share? What does it look like to share burdens? Well, I think there's sort of two sides of the coin when it comes to sharing each other's burdens and obeying the law of Christ. The first one, the first side of the coin is that we have to be available to help others who need their burdens shared. Amen? We have to be available to do that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the idea of standing firm, stand fast. It doesn't happen by coincidence or accident, Right? And the same thing here. You have to be available. Availability doesn't happen by accident. On the other side of the coin is we have to be willing to be helped. We have to be willing to have our burden shared by others. Right? We have to be available. We have to be willing. So let's go through that. What do I have to do to be available to help others? Oh, here's a couple things I thought of. The first one, I think, strikes close to home for probably a lot of us is that we have to be willing to say no to good stuff. We live in a culture and a world where there is all kinds of good stuff going on. All kinds of good things. And I think particularly as families, and, and I can speak to that since you know, we're, we're Pushing up on six kids here. There's all kinds of places I could invest my family's time and things we could do and activities and sports and, and clubs and, and this thing and that thing and the other thing. It's amazing. And um, I don't know what your email inboxes look like. I know mine is a pastor. It's amazing. I'm like, how do these people get my emails? I get constant barrage of emails from other people, I'm, I'm coming here, I'm this kind of minister, I have this kind of program, we do this kind of thing, this, and then almost all of it is good stuff. And yet if I as a pastor was like, oh, that's good, so let's do that, and that's good, and let's do that, and that's good, and let's do that, there would be no energy left. 
I'd have no time, we'd have nothing, nothing would ever get accomplished in my life. And I think our families, our lives, whether you're single or you have six kids, can suck your time dry with good stuff. Intramural sports is great, it's good stuff. But is it doing this? Are we fulfilling what Jesus has said for us to do what Paul has called us to do to carry each other's burdens when we fill up our time and our schedules with all this stuff and we refuse to say no to good stuff. It's so easy to say no to bad stuff, but can we say no to good stuff? And we have to couple that with saying yes to things that are better. And yeah, a lot of times saying yes to the better is hard. It's really hard, guys. That better is really sharing others' burdens. I don't know about, I don't know about you guys, but something I've re- I really noticed, really noticed over the years is for a long season there, we had Wednesday night Bible studies, small groups, house church, and constantly, week after week after week, the one time I felt the most discouraged, the most tired, the most down, the most out of it spiritually, what time of the week do you think it was? It's Wednesday night at about five o'clock. So if you felt that way, be encouraged. Right? You're in that. And I think there's a spiritual battle going on there. I think some of it's our flesh. And I think some of it is our enemy who doesn't want us to do exactly what Jesus said we need to be doing. Right? And interestingly enough, here we've gone for about a month as we're getting these gospel groups going and I haven't had a Wednesday night meeting. And if I've been discouraged and tired and spiritually down on Wednesday nights... No, I haven't. I haven't. And so I think there's a correlation there. And so we have to be willing and we have to understand that it means we have to say yes to the better when it's hard. We have to be willing to say yes to things that are better when it's hard. And so what spirit is required? The spirit of gentleness is required. That's what it tells us in this passage. In verse 1 he says, You who are spiritual... Well, I think probably every single one of us who are in this room would probably say, I'm spiritual, right? That's why you're here. We're all spiritual. He didn't say, those of you who are pastors and leaders, you've got to have this spirit. No, every single one of us, if you have the Holy Spirit, you who are spiritual are called into this. And then he says, gently. We must gently restore one another. Gently carry each other's burdens. And what does gently mean? I think gently means that we need to examine not only our methods, we need to be sure with our methods that when we are interacting and sharing one another's burdens and helping one another, we are gentle and it is a gentle spirit as we come to others. But we also have to have our motivation gentle as well. And I see this verse here, verse 3, if you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. There's a humility there. There's a gentleness for us to carry others' burdens. We have to make sure that our motivation is truly to help. That it's not, going back there, it's not out of guilt. It's not out of selfishness. It's out of selfishness. We can, oh, I'm helping somebody because that makes me feel better than them because of what's going on, right? We don't want to be too important. and That's the spirit we need to have. So those are some ways that we can be available to help others. Now, how can I be available to be helped by others? Well, the first one seems kind of obvious. 
We've got to be present. We've got to be present. We've got to be there. We've got to let people know. I think there's, a, there's two parts of that. Part of it is physical and part of it is emotional. We've got to be present in both of those things. You would, might be surprised about the number of times that you know, Brad and Rich and I have experienced people who have come to us and said, they're not, you're not carrying my burdens. You know, not necessarily using that language, but that's what they're saying. And the response oftentimes is, where are, where are you? Where have you been? I haven't seen you. You haven't been around. How can I be expected to carry your burdens if you're not there? Right? And I think we have, we have these things, don't we? Every single one of us has one of these. Right? I, pretty much every single one of us. And there is a tremendous disadvantage to these, isn't there? If you're like me, you struggle with this. And having your nose in that. But there is an advantage is that you can continue to have connection with people moment by moment. You can text message. I remember, man, what was it? Just 10 years ago, I remember getting texts probably from Jeff Weeman or something, and I'd be like, stop, Jeff, that cost me 10 cents a text. <laughs> it's not like that anymore, is it? It's free. It's amazing. And so we have this advantage and this tool, and there's all kinds of bad stuff that can come through my phone. There's all kinds of good stuff. So that we can be present, sometimes even without being present. We can be emotionally present with others without having to be physically present. But I think we need to be physically present. We need to be together. Some of that means we have to be vulnerable. Oh, there's a danger in being vulnerable, isn't there? Any of you experience that? You're vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, that means you take shots sometimes. But that's part of the point of having the church is that when we're vulnerable together, we're not shooting at each other. Amen? That's the idea. And I think we've got to be really clear here when we look at this passage in verse 1. It means we have to be vulnerable with the ways that we're messing up. It talks about it. You want to overcome sin? You want to help others overcome sin? Well, how do you know? Someone has to be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable about what you're going through. I'm so encouraged. I am so encouraged. As hard as it is for somebody to come to me and say, I have sinned and I've screwed up in this area of my life. I am so encouraged because it means that person is being vulnerable. It means they want someone to help carry their burdens. And I'm always so, so encouraged by that. And part of that also is being humble as well. I think we, we live in, in a culture, in a society, in, a, in an economy where it's, where it's all about sort of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? It's all about independence. Oh, I don't want to impose on anybody. I don't want to do this. I've got to do it myself. I've got to do this. I've got to do it. I don't want to talk about these things. I've got to... And there's some value in that. But that's not what the Bible tells us. It's not what the New Testament tells us. It's not what Paul is encouraging us to do. Be humble. Let your burdens be carried. Sometimes you just have to ask. How is someone to know what the need is? That's again, always makes me so sad when someone says, oh, well, you guys never carried my burdens. It's like, well, you never asked me to carry your burdens. How can I carry something I haven't been asked to carry, right? And so I think at the end of the day, what it really means is that sharing each other's burdens means you have to be family. 
was something I shared uh, last week with the, uh, our location in, in Parker. And, and to them, it's a little more real. And there's about 15 to 20 people sitting there staring at each other. I said, look, guys, you're going to have a grand opening. You gotta, you're trying to come up with what are we, what are we sort of, you know, I hate to say marketing because that sounds bad. But kind of what do we have to really offer people? I said, what you have to offer is family. And so you've got to make choices to walk in that. And I think we right here, and though we've been going for 10 years and, and some of you have been together for 20 years probably. Some of you guys from Valley View have been around together a long time, 30 years. 40 years. <laughs> Tim's like, I'm not that, I'm not that old. <laughs> yeah. Been together a long time, but it's family. I think that's what we really have to offer is the Firehouse Church is that we are a family and we can be a family. And if you're new here, you can, you can be part of our family. It's open. It's not a closed family. You're welcome. And so I think that's really what the Firehouse Church is about. And to do that, we're just not a church of programs. We aren't offering programs to, to kind of do this thing and that thing. But we have ministries. And we have gospel groups. And what is the point of these things? The point of these things, well, there's a, several points. But one of the main points is so that we can connect with each other. So that we can very easily, as a church, do what Paul calls us to do in Galatians. We can exercise our freedom. To go forward. And so I thought, again, I know Brad talked about these, these some, I wanted to put them up. And so you don't have an excuse of, well, I don't know how to get connected with the something. Look, there's a phone number and or an email for all of these right here. And if you're interested in being part of the Connect one, that's Thursday night. What time was that at, John? 6.30 right here at the building. Um, I think that's going to be really cool. That's going to be the core of our church. Um, so here you can see money-wise, that's our financial group. One of their outworkings is financial peace that's on Monday nights. But their group is, is broader than financial peace. Zach would be a good contact for that. We're going to have active and outdoor enthusiasts. That'd be Tim and Amanda. You can contact them. Uh, we live in such a great, a great part of the country where we can really be outside and not melting in the summer heat or freezing and waist deep of snow right there's all kinds of great things we can do and there's this opportunity to connect with each other and connect with other people in this environment so there's contact information for him the worship core these guys the Myers and the Triggs and others uh, just a, a chance to um, just understand that what's played on Sunday mornings and, and music and worship is something God has given us as an expression of the gospel and it's an opportunity to connect with each other to carry each other's burdens right there. So if that's something you might be interested in being part of, you could contact Jeremy there. You could talk to Pat and Emily over here. Uh, we are doing a women's Bible study. I think probably She Speaks Truth is probably the material they're going to go through. I know Amanda and, and Nicole are going to be doing that. Time to be set. We're talking about the Connect group. There's a, a rebuild group where we're going to, I think, have some a, a car in the back here. Andrew is going to do that, I think, and I think it'll be really good. So be watching for those as they come along. Now, in addition to these gospel groups, we also have some ministries that are going on, and these are other opportunities, other opportunities for you to carry one another's burdens. Celebrate Recovery is on Sundays at 5. Um, I think John has been very clear on this. John sort of runs that group. I know Zach and Tyler kind of help with that. And it, it's really for anybody. You might think, oh, that sounds like a, a recovery thing for, for alcoholics and drug use. And it, and it certainly is those things. But it's really so many of us carry around emotional wounds and hurts and, and things that are deep. And it's an opportunity to connect with each other 
and connect with Jesus on that. As, as Brad mentioned, there's a time for moms and, and dads. I'm, I'm trying to be present, at least in the office, as any dads come by on those Fridays. That'll be this Friday, uh, the first and third Friday of each month in the morning. Uh, we have teen groups that meets on Saturdays, usually at Rob's house or somewhere else, and Rob is kind of the contact for that. And that's really not just for teens. That's not really a drop-off for teens necessarily. It's for parents as well, and parents are welcome to be part of that and be part of your teen in that world. Um, we do have Inspire, which will be this Tuesday at 7 o'clock right here in the building. What is Inspire? For those of you who've been to know what it is, it's really a meeting for us to carry each other's burdens, dream about where our church is going, um, talk about how we can reach other people with the good news. I would really encourage you, those of you who are part of that group, this is sort of your announcement that we're having that on Tuesday. If you've never been part of that, anybody's welcome to come. If you want to be... Um, intent in your discipleship that would be a great place to come and then of course we have a mercy ministry as well and that's another one of those things where we go yeah you got to be present we want to help you we want to have mercy brad leads that up um want to help you you got to be here but there's a number of people who are helping and, and organizing in that so again we have these things not as programs we have these things as ways for each one of us to be present in each other's lives and to share each other's burdens and to be family because that's what really fulfills, that obeys the law of Christ. That's what Jesus has asked us to do. And so my encouragement to you, where you're at today, um, some of you may be new and you're, you're checking things out, we'd encourage you, come join our family, connect with us on Sundays, um, connect with us at one of these things, come be part of the family. And there's some of you who probably have been here for a while and uh, maybe you need to think about how you're making decisions with your time. Are you available to help others? Are you present and, and sharing and invested in other people's lives where um, they can help you? I hope that would encourage you today. Um, I really just want all of us to just be, be part of the family and I think as we have a family, a crisis at work, others are going to join us in that as well. So let's pray. But God, again, I, I thank you for the gospel. Thank you that you've um, sent your son Jesus Christ to come to earth to live a perfect life and then to die in our place. Be crucified on the cross to take the penalty that is due to us for our sins and then to rise again and defeat death. Thank you for that free gift of salvation that any one of us and just say, Lord, I receive your free gift of salvation. I recognize that Jesus did these things, that he died on the cross and that he rose again and paid the penalty for my sin. I receive that free gift and I make him my Lord and Savior. And that it's that simple. And then flowing from that, we now have a freedom. We have a freedom that we don't have to do right things to have a right standing with God, with you. We don't have to not do the wrong things to have a right standing with you, that you love us and care for us at the maximum level because you see Jesus Christ in our place. And so God, we declare to you today, we obey. We're going to obey out of the freedom as an unconditional response to your unconditional love. And we're going to do that as the Apostle Paul says and as, as Jesus himself said in the context of the church. 
That it's going to be an outflow of us coming together and, and sharing each other's burdens. That we're going to do all the good, all of the good things that you have in store for us. All of the greater works. We're going to do that out of freedom, God. Not out of obligation, not out of guilt, not out of selfishness. God, help us in that, Lord. And I, I know, Lord, I, I've, I've stood in those shoes. I, I, I stand in them a lot where I, I look at my time and my life and I say, man, there's so many good things. But God, I want to choose the better thing. I want to choose to obey you out of love. And you said, share each other's burdens, Lord. So that's my commitment. That's my commitment to you and to this group of people. God, help us to walk in that. We trust you have good in store for us. I thank you for the things you've been doing in the past year. We look forward to what's coming here in 2016. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.